Hello, welcome into another edition of the Daily Blues Podcast here on 101ESPN.com. Dan Betlock with you. Glad you're along with us for the ride. Uh, Blues coming off an impressive 3-1 victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning last night at Enterprise Center to improve to 13-4-5, dropping the Lightning to 9-7-2. Oscar Sundquist and David Perron with uh, the goals. Um, Jaden Schwartz would add an empty netter, of course. So the Blues spoil Pat Maroon's homecoming with a 3-1 win over the Lightning. It was a good game for the Blues. Didn't allow a lot of shots. Jordan Bennington played very well, made a lot of big saves at, at big moments during the game to keep that game tight when the Blues trailed for uh, a lot of that first period into the second period, had, having to come from behind in that one, down one nothing after the first period. Bennington played great. Blues did generate a lot of shots. Vasilevsky did make 31 saves, but the Blues outshot the Lightning 18-4. to were on the power play three times in the second period. Only produced one goal in that, but uh, a, a good rebound after the three-game losing streak from the St. Louis Blues. Let's hear it how it happened. He's in over the blue with Johnson. Onto his forehand, the shot on, and a save made by Bennington. They get it over the line. Gordon near wing, wide open McDonough with a lane to the goal. Shot on, rebound Maroon as he reached for it. He knocks down McEachern, who's still stung a little bit by, I think, that first hit. He goes to the corner, and Costin checks it. Loose centered. It's loose in front. Falk with a wrister. Puts it towards the goal. That's blocked away by a sliding Cedric Paquette, and the puck comes out. What a play by O'Reilly. Rick wide to Petrangelo. The lone man in on the offensive zone. He shoots it on. Vasilevsky will cover it up. Out of the box is Bowmeister. And no shots on goal for the Lightning on that power play, but the Blues had two. There in the middle, Sorelli, and it's now got Kalorn right there. They score. Dunn at his back to Sorelli. He was in the middle. He found him, and he put it five hole on Bennington. Sorelli picked it back from the captain of the Blues in front shot on, and Bennington makes the save on a Kalorn drive to the goal. Hits it up to the red line. Kucherov's in near side. Johnson. Down into the corner, they hit the trailer and pumped on goal by point. Here's Thomas, far wing. Pareko's shooting. Thomas nearly recovered the rebound. Pareko's buzzing this period. He's got it again, down low to Thomas. Going back door, trying to find Petrangelo. It was to flare other Costin, but it deflected away. Near side, Pareko couldn't fire a slapper. Backhands towards the goal. It's loose, they score! David Perron! Step, he banged it home on a backhand feed from Colton Perico. 2.36 to play in the second period. And David Perron's ninth of the year ties the game for the Blues. One to one here late in the second. Lorne looking to center. He does. It's on. Save is made. Bennington takes a stick to the face. Sunquist to the corner. Thomas spins it. Sunquist score! What a goal. Vasilevsky never flinched. Sunquist picked his spot. Beautiful backhand pass by Thomas. 13.44 to go in the third, and the Blues have their first lead of the game. They lead 2-1. Long shot, blocked down, loose puck, backhanded to the goal. Saved by a sprawled Bennington as Maroon's backhand couldn't get high enough to clear the pad of the goaltender. The Lightning go to hound it loose. What a play, and they get it to Johnson. He shoots it, a save made by Bennington. He's made 17 saves on 18 shots. Puck knocked away by Shen. They go to Schwartz. Six seconds to go for the empty netter. He scores. Three to one, St. Louis. What a game tonight by the men in blue. 
Schwartz, an empty netter. 4.4 seconds to play in the third. Well, last night at Enterprise Center, a really good win for the St. Louis Blues. A 3-1 victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Improves their record to 13-4-5, 31 points. Keeps them atop the Central Division and the Western Conference. And Joe, another come-from-behind victory. Sorelli put Tampa on top, 1-0 in the first. But Perron from Perico and O'Reilly tied it in the second. Sundquist from an amazing pass from Thomas gave them the lead in the third. They held on. They locked it down. Schwartz gets the empty netter to make it 3-1. And Jordan Bennington with a 17-game performance. It was. Last night at Enterprise Center Curbs, you just said it. I thought the Blues game really evolved and got better as the game went along. They continued to improve all the way up to the final minutes of the third period. The chemistry, the combinations from Craig Berube as he switched up the offensive line proved to be true last night as all lines chipping in. I thought defensively really stood out to me was the back pressure. The forwards getting back through the middle of the ice. They clogged it up completely. A Tampa Bay Lightning team, high-end skill, loves to mix it up in the offensive zone, tried to go through the middle of the ice, had absolutely nothing. Jordan Bennington shut down the door. Defensively, it was about as sound as you can be from a great team in the National Hockey League. Blues back at it tomorrow night. Well, the Blues get the victory, and tomorrow night they face off against the Calgary Flames at Enterprise Center. For Joe Vitale, I'm Chris Kerber on the St. Louis Blues Radio Network. So the Blues get by the Lightning. They'll take on the Calgary Flames tomorrow night at Enterprise Center. You heard Joey talking about the defensive effort from the St. Louis Blues, and it was an all-around defensive effort. Um, I thought the Blues did a good job of, for the most part, keeping the Lightning to the outside. And when the Lightning did get chances, obviously uh, Jordan Bennington was there to make the big-time save. So uh, overall, playing against a high-level team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, again, not as powerful maybe point-wise as they were last year, in record in terms of record, but still a lot of firepower on that roster. And I know Kucherov exited the game on a hit from Shen, so they were out Kucherov, but still that's an impressive win for the St. Louis Blues to get by the Lightning. All right, well, let's hear uh, from the Stalton River Show, as we so often do here on the Daily Blues Podcast. Dan Butlock along with you. Jamie Rivers gave his impressions of last night's victory. Yeah, I think what I saw last night that was, you know, maybe slightly different than maybe the first, the previous three or four games was that although the the thought process was still about quality chances on net, you don't want to veer too far off the course with that. But I thought they they did a better job of not looking for perfect shooting opportunities, and, and inside the dots especially where that's uh, the prime ice, where once you get the puck inside the dots, the Blues have had a tendency of, ah, I don't think it looks right. Let's look for someone else maybe in a better position. Which, you know, isn't the wrong mindset if you're putting pucks in the back of the net and things are going the way you'd like. When you hit a little bit of a dry patch, you get inside those dots, you should be simplifying the game and getting the, the puck to the net as frequently as possible. I thought they did that last night. I thought that anytime they had a somewhat dangerous opportunity on net, they took it. Even if it was from outside the dots and you had a good angle or a clear shot at the net, they took that opportunity. And for me, Anthony, the biggest thing was what we've talked about several times is funneling bodies to the net. They were there. Blues jerseys were everywhere. Specifically, you look at the David Perron goal. Um, you know, Ryan O'Reilly gives it to Colton Pareko, who just throws a little backhand at the net. Well, you got Sammy Blay and David Perron standing right there in the blue crease, and the rebound sitting there. Perron digs it out of the pads, stuffs it home. So great job on that one. And then you look at the Sunquist goal where Robert Thomas drags it behind the net, makes an incredible behind-the-back pass, which I, eyes in the back of his head on that one. 
Sundquist comes in and steps into it, but who's in front of the net? Zach Sanford had driven the front of the net and, and taken away the eyes of Vasilevsky just for a split second, and you can tell that he doesn't have a second or a chance to readjust and get square, leaving that far side available. And even after the, the puck went in the net, you saw his face kind of like, I didn't even see it. Right. You know, so to me that was the biggest thing is not looking for perfection as far as opportunities, but when they were good chances, they put pucks to the net and they made sure they had guys going to the net and hacking and whacking. And some of the numbers are incredible, actually. Colton Pareko and Oscar Sundquist, six shots on goal each. Oscar Sundquist had six scoring chances. So every time he shot the puck last night was a scoring chance, which is incredible. Um, and then followed up by Alex Petrangelo, five shots on net. David Perron, four shots on net. That alone right there is impressive. That alone outshot the Tampa Bay Lightning, let alone anybody else who got on the shot chart. So the Blues did a, a really good job of creating opportunities against a veteran team and a heck of a goaltender. Jamie, how does this kind of the shot philosophy last night work with Craig Berube's overall philosophy because we talk so much about Berube doesn't want necessarily a ton of shots because he's so as you've described he wants to protect the defense making sure guys are getting back so it's not just a barrage of shots from all over the ice and then maybe defenders get out of position whereas Ken Hitchcock wanted more shots Mm -hmm. any any shots grab the rebound get I realize both both coaches want guys in front of the net. But when I hear you talk about, all right, more shots, almost simplifying it, does that work against Craig Berube's overall philosophy? No, because I don't feel like they, they, they've strayed too far here on this one. In fact, you know, sometimes when you play that puck possession game, and to Craig Berube's credit, I mean, changing that philosophy for the team – really has worked well, especially with the big bodies and the guys that are able to handle the puck the way they do. Um, you know, So I didn't feel like last night or even overall moving forward, they don't have to really change that. I just think they have to recognize when opportunities are there and take them. Sometimes when you get into that pattern of looking for the perfect play, you're passing up good opportunities. What's the old saying? You're stepping over dollar bills to pick up quarters. You know, that's kind of the thing is you have a, a prime time scoring chance, but you're like, ah, I don't know, buddy over there looks like he's a little more wide open. Don't pass up that chance. And Craig Berube has said it himself, you know, that he likes the quality, but sometimes guys are, are, are overlooking good opportunities for other ones. And last night I felt like, you know, the programming was just right and, and that they were able to get pucks to the net when it was quality, maybe not perfection, but quality opportunities and the bodies going to the net, that always causes havoc for the opposition. Causes havoc with the D-man, causes havoc with the goalie. Pucks bounce off of Blues players, Lightning players, goalies' pads. You just don't know. That's why when you have bodies in front of the net, you can stuff those rebounds home. Perfect example, again, David Perron's goal. Simple backhand to the front of the net. Sammy Blaze trying to whack at it. He misses it. The puck's sitting there on the goalie's pad. I don't even think Vasilevsky knew it was sitting there. But David Perron, because he was right there at the crease, pulled it off and tucked it home. You know, that doesn't happen if necessarily Colton Pareko, right? So that's a great example. If Colton Pareko a week ago is in that spot, he probably turns back towards the boards and heads back up towards the point looking for O'Reilly up high who's covering. 
Whereas we see last night that you were able to generate offense out of a maybe not so perfect shot, but having the perfect number of guys in front of the net. So I think that this will be a great teaching point, too, for Craig Berube to show some of these highlights and talk about it so that when they have these opportunities that present themselves in the future, they won't overthink it. They'll look and go, hey, we got bodies in front. It's got a chance. The Blues outshot the Lightning 34-18. They also beat them 3-1. to In other news here, or related news, Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider with The Athletic, tweeting out about six minutes ago that the Blues announced that they released Jamie McGinn from his PTO. Troy Brower will continue his workout. So what do you make of this, Jamie? Well, look, I thought he was a long shot from the very beginning. I like him as a player. Uh, I think that he would help an NHL team. I think that some of the guys at the bottom of the league that need a veteran guy should probably go knock at his door and offer him a chance. He's a heck of a guy, uh, very well liked by the guys while he's here and other teammates. But the disadvantage that Jamie McGinn had was that he signed a PTO at the very same time as Troy Brower, who has a relationship with Doug Armstrong, who has a relationship with the trainers and you know some of the coaches and certainly some of the players. So I think that that was an uphill battle for him at that point. And it's not to say that Troy Brower won't get released as well. He he may very well be released at the end of all this as well. But now that McGinn's been released, I do think that Troy Brower will receive a contract offer and it's going to be it's going to be based on familiarity and he brings some sandpaper to the lineup. Jamie McGinn played hard, but he didn't have that sandpaper of, you know, if things get a little squirrely out here, you know, Troy Brower's not afraid to grab a guy and slap the spit out of him a little bit. Right. And, you know, you need that from time to time. And, and so I think that that played a factor. And, again, the relationship with Doug Armstrong, Troy Brower sitting in the crowd in Calgary with Doug Armstrong watching the skate, talking about it. There's something to be said for that. I mean, you know yourself. Just like anybody in life, you've worked with somebody before. You had a great working relationship. They go away, do their thing. They're looking for a job again. You're like, you know what? That was a good time. Let's see if he can do the job. I'm going to give him a shot. So I think Troy Brower, uh, I, I personally think he'll get an opportunity with the Blues. And also, let's not forget, Jacob DeLaRose, although he hasn't played in the last couple of games, when he did play, played fairly well. And I think that Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong have to look at that and go, We've got probably the same player here as in Jamie McGinn, so let's develop this guy. You know, he's still a young guy by NHL standards. Let's develop him, maybe have Troy Brower as that extra veteran presence, and then hopefully things work out. And you heard, of course, Jamie talking about Troy Brower and Jamie McGinn at the end there. It has since come out that McGinn has been released from his PTO. Brower will stay on his PTO. And Alex Ferrario, our own Alex Ferrario, was at practice today. Let's get an update from him kind of on those scenarios. Thank you, Dan. Well, today at practice, a couple of different interesting tidbits for the St. Louis Blues. Let's do injury first. Sammy Blay, he did not skate with the team. Of course, he left the game in the second period last night, came back out onto the ice and finished the game. It looked like an upper body injury. Craig Berube confirmed that this afternoon as he did not skate. According to the head coach, Sammy Blay is day-to-day, which means you saw Jacob De La Rose skating on the fourth line in place of Ivan Barbashev and Ivan 
Barbashev skating on the line with O'Reilly and David Perron. Which brings me to my second point, juggling the lines around. Obviously, it worked against Tampa last night. Talked to a couple of different players today, and one of those, including Zach Sanford, pointed out to me that you know playing with Robert Thomas and Oscar Sundquist provided him an opportunity to just focus on his game. Talked about how playing with O'Reilly and Perron, there's a lot more defensive responsibility when you play on that line, much like you do in Shannon Schwartz line as Tyler Bozak is playing there. So with Zach Sanford, who found success skating with Robert Thomas and Oscar Sundquist, it's three young players who can focus on their hockey game and provide some offensive spark for the St. Louis Blues, and they did that last night with Oscar Sundquist scoring the game-winning goal. Finally, from practice today, the release of Jamie McGinn, the player tryout along with Troy Brower. Brower will remain with the team on a tryout basis. He's got a couple more days before the Blues have to make a decision on him, but Jamie McGinn let go. Craig Berube saying today that it was just a decision from the team that they felt that Clem Costin was very similar to what Jamie McGinn played, and Clem Costin has done well in his two games this season, and Troy Brower provides a little more veteran leadership. So still no answer on if he signs a contract with the Blues, but he'll remain with the team for the next couple of days on that tryout basis. So that's today's practice report. Let's go back over to Dan Betlock. Thank you, Alex. There, Troy Brower will continue his PTO, and I ultimately think the Blues will kind of sign will sign him just for the familiarity factor with the organization. You heard Jamie Rivers touch on that, of course, as well. John Kelly did not know about this news when he uh, joined the Bernie Miklas show this morning, but John was on, J.K. was on with Bernie uh, to talk about last night's victory, of course, and his impressions of the St. Louis Blues. Here's J.K. with Bernie. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, obviously, with the history of the Blues, they had never won a Stanley Cup, and for a, a local kid who was a hero to come back, and I thought it was really classy of Doug Armstrong and the Blues to have that ceremony. They did not have to do that. Um, but I sort of compare it, Bernie, and I know that you have a better perspective than I do. But like David Freeze coming back to St. Louis, I mean, a hometown hero who, of course, hit those uh, huge home runs in Game 6 and en route to the World Series. I think it was comparable to that. Um, the only difference is the, the Blues had never won a Stanley Cup. And, of course, the Cardinals had. So, but it was a very special night. Pat's a great guy, as we all know. Um, his fiance was there. His son, Anthony, was uh, right in the Zamboni tunnel watching the ceremony. Um, so it's, it's really great to see uh, a local guy like that uh, be such a hero and come back and get a warm ovation. No doubt about it. And the Blues uh, cap it off with a nice 3-1 to one win. What did you think of the new line combinations? I know the fourth line struggled quite a bit, and and um, uh, Coach Barube limited their ice time uh, a lot. <laughs> um, but what did you think of the way the other three lines played, uh, especially those top two lines? Well, I thought that the balance was really good. Um, they had 34 shots on goal. And, you know, quite honestly, if it wasn't for Vasilevsky and goal, uh, the Blues would have won this game 5-1 or 6-1. Uh, you know, a lot of grade-A chances. So, you know, they need to start burying more of the grade-A chances, Bernie. Um, that's why they've been in so many of these one-goal games, is they just sort of can't extend leads. But all in all, I thought that they played maybe their best overall game of the year last night. And it reminded me of the way they played in the playoffs. You know, physical, extended offensive zone shifts, wearing the opposition down. And at the same time, not giving uh, the opponent many offensive chances 
um, for themselves. And, you know, Bennington had to make, I don't know, five or six grade A saves. But I think all in all, the Blues played a solid game. No doubt about it. John Kelly with us here on 101 ESPN. By the way, in case you don't know it, you can follow John on Twitter at jkellyhockey, at jkellyhockey. I uh, I wanted to get your reflections on this and your opinion on this, John. You know, it was a year ago last night that the Blues made a coaching change. So I guess you could say that really today would be the one-year anniversary where Craig Berube first met with the players and formally took over as the Blues coach. And uh, what a whirlwind this has been. And I don't know, honestly, even people that knew Craig Berube and liked him and respected him ever could have envisioned the impact he's had on this franchise. Try to put it in perspective for us. Well, he he took a team that was um, not playing as a team, and he made them a team. He gave them confidence. Um, He was very demanding, and he molded this club into a championship-caliber team. And considering where they were, Bernie, as we know, in last place overall on January 2nd, uh, to come back and, and, you know, win a championship. But as you said, um, he was hired on November 19th. So it wasn't like it was an instant turnaround. Um, you know, they would, they would win two and lose two or, you know, win three of five. But then late in December, they started to really play a lot better. And then, of course, they caught fire in late January. But, you know, they, they just weren't playing as a team. They were individual um, for whatever and they couldn't get on the same page, but he was demanding, and he has done an outstanding job. I mean, his numbers now with the Blues are pretty amazing, 51-23-11 in the regular season. And, you know, the other number, Bernie, that sticks out to me is, to this day, this team under Berube has not lost more than three games in regulation in a row. So they've been very consistent. Um, so what can you say? His, his, the job he has done is outstanding, and uh, they continue to play well, and we were worried about the Stanley Cup hangover, and right now they've lost only four games in regulation, so it's it's been an outstanding start. No doubt about it. And just a, a brief uh, follow-up on this. You've been around long enough to cover a lot of Blues coaches, and I've been around long enough to do the same, but also managers and football coaches and basketball coaches, all these sports. The thing about Barube that is uh, continue to be impressed by is that um, he's such a natural such a straightforward, simple guy in terms of how he just talks to people, how he gets his point across. Um, I've been, John, I know you have too. We've, been, we've all been around in the media. and Fans can say the same, coaches, managers, whatever. You, you feel like you're getting somebody putting on an act at least part of the time, or they're maybe not genuine, they're not authentic, they're they're trying to concoct a certain image. They, they sort of uh, get, it, get into theatrics. Uh, there's none of that with this guy. I mean, I, it's astonishing, really, in this day and age that you could have someone who's so genuine and so what you see is what you get, strong, but straightforward, and, and no nonsense, really. Yeah, he, um, he, he quite honestly is as straight a shooter as you're going to find, Bernie. Um, you know, what he says in the press conferences after the game, if they don't play well or individuals have a tough game, you know, he doesn't kill his team or his players individually, but he's just honest. And, you know, what's wrong with that? If you say, hey, a player has to be better, well, so what? I mean, it's a fact. Um, I mean, I heard a story last year after he took over that he called a player into his office and he showed him some videotape and uh, the player goes, well, I think I'm playing pretty well. 
And he looked at the player in the eye and said, I don't think you are playing very well. You've got to play better. And that was the end of the meeting. I mean, that's just the way he is. So I like that. And quite honestly, I think players like that, even though sometimes the hard truth isn't what you really want to hear. Um, but sometimes players need to hear that. And um, that's just the way he is. He's never going to change. He's honest. He's direct. And um, his approach is working very well. John Kelly, one more question for you, sir. Um, as the Blues move forward, I mean, they're they're entering a they they entered last night uh, a really tough stretch of games against quality opponents, brand name of opponents, if you will. Um, so that's a test for them. But are you surprised at all? Pleasantly surprised at all that they have started the season uh, with such a great record, given that there was an anticipation of some type of Stanley Cup hangover, as you alluded to a, a couple of minutes ago. Well, Bernie, if you would have told me that this team would be 13-4-5 on you know, November the 20th, I would say I'll take it and run uh, because they have had a tough schedule. I mean, they've already had two 10-day road trips and you know, played in some very hostile buildings. Um, so, of course, I'm, you know, I'm happy, and I'm sure the team is very happy. Um, yeah, I expected them to, to have not a, not a bad start because they have a very good team, but you know, maybe to have some games where they just weren't there. And there haven't been many. I mean, they've been in almost every game, and they've been so competitive. So, not, you know, having said all that, will they hit a wall here in, in late November or December or at some point? I don't know. We'll find out. Um, but, you know, by and large, they play hard and have played hard so far in the first, you know, 22 games of the season. Some good points made there from J.K. The uh, they, Blues have been competitive in most every game this season. Again, all points in all but four games. The Stanley Cup hangover hasn't really hit this team yet. And will they hit this wall coming up in this upcoming stretch? I've kind of talked about this yesterday, but uh, look to the Blues goaltending to keep these, this team locked in and competitive in these games because goals are probably going to be hard to come by. It's just part of the ebbs and flows of a season. So Blues need to get back to that worker bee, workman type attitude, forecheck, forecheck, forecheck. Get pucks in deep. That's the key to their success right now, and that's that's the key to their success overall. They got to get to that. They can navigate this this schedule winning that way. We've seen it last season. Get good goaltending. Don't have to score a bunch of goals. Score timely goals. Blues got that last season. For the most part, they've had it so far this year. At times, of course, over that three-game losing streak, not so much. But get back to Craig Berube style hockey, and that'll help. All right, let's hear from our sister station. We heard from him yesterday. It was the Rizzuto Show, who had Kevin Shattenkirk on. Chris Kerber joins them every Wednesday to kind of talk about everything St. Louis Blues. Of course, he was on the call last night, as you heard the highlights early in the podcast. He's on with the Riz Show every Wednesday, and I wanted to play that for you now because it's a good time. Uh, we can get a little laughter and a little fun into the Daily Blues podcast here with the Rizzuto Show. So here's Chris Kerber on with the Rizzuto Show. And now, since the two previous players that talked to us got traded, here's the radio voice of your St. Louis Blues, Chris Kerber. Hey, Chris Kerber, everybody! Morning, fellas. Uh, Glad to be the low end of the soda (laughs) bowl. We thought you'd get a kick out of that. Look, we got a a fancy new intro for you and everything. (laughs) <laughs> I can, I, I, you know that's awesome. That took that, to, for that to take three weeks to make. I think is pretty impressive. Well, that just shows that you're off probation, so we are, we're going to keep you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, how cool was it to see Pat Maroon get that ring last night? You know, I thought it was really cool, and I, and I thought one of the best things about it was just how the Blues did it. There's so many different ways that that could be done. 
Yeah, um, you know, and most recently the Washington Capitals brought Jay Beagle, a couple other guys into the locker room and did it very nicely. But I, I thought the way the Blues did it, you know, for Pat Maroon, uh, you know, a homegrown kid, and uh, to do it just quickly like they did at the Zamboni entrance on the ice, I, I thought it was really special. And, it spoke, you know, volumes again to just taking a few extra minutes and doing it right and memorable. It was really cool. Well, you know, just, just, just think about it. He saw the banner ceremony on TV. He wasn't at the Rose Garden ceremony with the team. He's also never seen his name engraved on the cup. Right. Like, yep. Think Put all that, that in there, and uh, um, you know, and it's it. They, they wait a long time for that, and it's a shame that you know, like for example, the White House visit. You know, they couldn't break free to to join the team. Him and Joe Edmondson and things, and and they miss out on part of that stuff because it's something that was out of their control. Yeah. Which in this case, was you know Pat not being re-signed by the Blues or. Uh, or, or Joel being traded. So to make up for that with something nice that way, I think is really cool. Did you sense any awkwardness between him and Doug Armstrong during that little... Uh, None whatsoever. None? No, you know what? Uh, Pat's a, you know, Pat, Pat had to make a decision a couple of years ago whether or not to re-sign with the Edmonton Oilers. And the, the Edmonton Oilers made him a, a pretty doggone good offer. And, and he decided he didn't want to stay there. So they traded him to New Jersey, helped them uh, get to the playoffs. And, you know, they lost in the first round there. And then, you know, then he had to make another decision. And there were a couple of multi-year offers on a table for him, but he ends up going with the, you know, the one-year deal betting on himself. Uh, he said when he signed with the Blues that he thought that this was not only a chance to play at home and fulfill a dream, but maybe win, win a championship. And it happened. And, you know, a lot of times you may think that you may want it and that that stuff doesn't happen. Why? I got the sense just watching Pat last year and, uh, and and being around him and then seeing him in the locker room yesterday that he's really just kind of in a zone or seems to be really at peace with everything that's going on and taking it, taking the adventure and the journey, you know, with what comes at you. It, it, it seems to be a very healthy approach for him, and he seemed to be very happy and appreciative of it all. Mm-hmm. How was he around his, uh, his former teammates yesterday? Did you see any interactions? Ah, it was just—I mean, the same way it was. Just outstanding. Uh, he, he was that way in, in the Tampa locker room, you know, being interviewed by the local media that he knows and all. And uh, just, just real good and classy. And he's—he's he's off to a pretty solid start. Mm-hmm. Seven points. You know, he's averaging what thirteen and you know, fourteen minutes a game for Tampa right now. I thought that his line might have had some of the best scoring opportunities of the of the night. He had two great opportunities right in front, boarded by Bennington there. So uh, it's a really you – know, sometimes things just worked out. I know some people sometimes don't like that phrase, but they do. And Tampa was a place that that, that needed that style of player, and, and I think it's going to pay off for a long time for them. So for the Blues, it was back-to-back losses Friday and Saturday, and the coach changed up the lines. And, and you know, from everything that I was reading and everything, you know, listening to, uh, Barubi's a guy that doesn't really change many things. And he needed to freshen up. I, I guess that's what he did last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the team had gone on a, you know, a seven-game win streak, and he didn't, he didn't change it once, and that even had back-to-back games in there. So, yeah, he juggled the lines a little bit. It seemed to work. He put Robert Thomas at center. He put Tyler Bozak up on the top line with Schwartz and Shen. Uh, and and I, I thought they played They, they kind of got to their game in the second period and played a really, really good second and third. You know, this is a team that looked this up yesterday. It kind of blew my mind a little bit. Everybody goes to how the Blues were in last place last year and up, up to January 1st, right? Mm-hmm. All season last year, they lost three games in a row only three times all year. Never lost four in a row. 
On top of that, they only lost three games in a row in regulation once. I mean, just phenomenal. After November 21st last year to the end of the year, they only lost three games in a row one time, and that had a couple of overtime losses in it. This team just finds a way to right the ship. That's so amazing. the two losing streaks that they've had this year of four games and then the one that was just snapped of three games, mm-hmm. they had overtime losses in there too, so they still found a way to pick up points and right the ship. It's a mm-hmm. it's a heck of a trait for the team where yeah, winning streaks matter, but also making sure that there aren't prolonged losing streaks can be huge. Well, well I'd read this. So so they got 13 wins so far this season. So the Blues are 13, 4, and 5, 31 points. The Blues didn't get their 13th victory a year ago until December 18th. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that phenomenal? And uh, they're one of – I haven't double-checked this uh, after last night's results, but going into last night's game, obviously the Blues avoided losing. So, uh, you know, they, they, the four games that they've lost in regulation, they haven't lost games – uh, regulation games back-to-back yet. There's only four teams, uh, counting the Blues, that have done that this year, Tampa's being another one. I mean, it's really what they're doing is quite impressive, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think they've played their best hockey yet. So, I, you know, I think with those two losses, you know, the back-to-back losses, I think, and I, and I read this too yesterday, uh, before Perron scored in the second period yesterday, the Blues had gone 74 minutes and 10 seconds without a goal since Vince Dunn scored against Anaheim. Yeah, that's going to happen. I mean, that's why Craig changed the lineup a little bit. Uh, a lot of people worried about the five-on-five totals, but this year the power play has been clicking and making a difference. So, you know, last year five-on-five was really good, and the power play wasn't making a difference. And, you know, oh, what's going on with the power play? So eventually you hope that it all does come together. But they've only had the like like they've only had the one loss to Anaheim. That's the only time they've lost to a Western Conference team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're finding ways to win. That's, that's three straight wins that they put over this Tampa Bay Lightning team, counting the two wins they had last year. Uh, and they just find a way. There's just a you know there's just kind of a a, a winning calm to it. it you know it, it, it's sort of like uh, well I mean you guys just know how your podcast is going to roll every single day and. And you figure out a way to get it done, and, and that's how it works for mm-hmm. them on the ice. Yep. What are your thoughts uh, two games in on Clint Costin? Had a really good first game. Noticed, uh, had the high energy going. Uh, was, uh, you know, at one point was even on a line with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron as the team was struggling in, in the third period. So I thought that one was pretty good. But in the last game, they put him on the fourth line role. And I think, you know, when you're playing the kind of minutes he was playing down in San Antonio, and then even the first game up here, when you're asked all of a sudden play seven minutes a game, it's it's actually hard. How do you keep yourself in the game? How do you how do you find yourself effective? I didn't think he was quite as noticeable in game number two. So uh, we'll see if he gets a third game here against Calgary and how it goes. But um, you know, all in all, solid. I don't I don't think he hurt the team. Uh, at the top of the show, we were talking about Braden Shen's hit on uh, Kucherov. Man, that was a yeah. devastating, devastating hit and put Kucherov out of the game. Uh, was it was it a, a concussion protocol thing? Uh, you know that one I don't know. Um, the, the way he went off the ice, he was limping, so I think he had, I think I think he had a leg injury or some injury on the lower body side of it. Because when he walked down the runway, at least from what uh, we could see from the broadcast booth, he was he was kind of limping on that one side. So I, I think it, it, it might be more uh, you know lower body than head. Do you think it was a clean hit? Do you think Shen's going to get any fines for it? No, I think it was a clean hit. I think I think it was a clean hit. I mean, I man, I I'll tell you one thing. I, I think guys almost forget that they're supposed to get hit. Not mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it's part of the game, and you see guys cut through the middle of the ice. 
you know, sometimes with their head down, uh, you know, turning around. I mean, it's he, he, even Sammy Blake. You know, Sammy Blake took a pretty hefty hit that you know caused him to miss a little action last night. Well, as he was going into the corner and the guy's coming on him, he turned his back to you know to him. And, and when that happens, you're going to get hit face first in the boards. I, I still think that, and this is not an old school, you know, grumpy old man approach to this, but guys have to still protect themselves on the ice, and, and I just yeah. don't think they do it enough. Well, you look at social media and you go, oh, another dirty play by the Blues. You, you know, Shen should be fined and suspended, and I don't know, maybe I was mixing something. It looked clean to me. Yeah, you know what we can do? We could take that Stanley Cup that they won playing that way and put it out in the middle of the room for donations. <laughs> Isn't it so great to be able to say that yeah. now? <laughs> yeah, how, how good is that? <laughs> Social media could be a fickle place, that is for sure. You can catch Chris Kerber every Wednesday on with 105.7 The Points Rizzuto Show. So check them out over there for sure. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today's podcast. Remember, folks, as I always say, go see a ball game often. Follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. We're back tomorrow with more. Until then, have a good night, everybody.